0: I want you to open your Bibles to James, the book of James, chapter four, and verse eight. I believe this is what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to us today, and in this ta- this season that we're living in. James was the brother of Jesus. He was the, the first pastor of Jerusalem, and he writes in chapter four of that epistle, verse eight. He says, "Come near to God." and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Those are some pretty direct words. The challenge and the urging there is to come near to God, and he will come near to you. It seems like you would say, well, Lord, I have to make the first step. I I have to take the first step. You know, God took the first step and. Christian mentioned a while ago that uh, Gabe had quoted John three sixteen. You know that tells us that passage of Scripture tells us that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. He made the first step. He took the first step. He came to us and He gave. And now it's our responsibility to accept that gift, to receive that gift. And in Ephesians chapter two verse thirteen. Paul writes to the Ephesians he says but now in Christ Jesus you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ so God brought us near to him but we have to make that choice of where we come near to him and that's what James is saying come near to God and he will come near to you if you don't feel close to God guess who moved we did. You know, he's there. He's, a, he's close by us at all times, but we need to come near to him. And it says, and he will come near to us. How do you go about doing that? How do we do that in, in, a, in our everyday life, every day of our life, not just occasionally, not just at a retreat, not just maybe Sunday morning or something like that? The word that's used there, where it says come near, it means close in feelings. Um, desires close in friendship it means to be intimate come near to me come near to God he says be intimate with God and he will be intimate with you wow think about that you know sometimes we want God close to our side so that when we need something we can say hey Jesus will you do that for me we we want him to be serving us instead of us serving him Hey, Jesus will you get that for me oh and while you're at it will you we bring that one for me and 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 do this and do that and we want him serving us uh, because it's all about us and that's why that uh, James goes on to say wash your hands you sinners and purify your hearts you double-minded double-minded in the sense that you know we're we're thinking about what's good for us more than what we need to be doing to draw close to God have Two different things going on, you know, and uh, trying to serve God, but what we're trying to serve ourselves. And the problem is if we could put ourselves before we put God there. And so how can you do it? In fact, Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. You'll either love the one and hate the other. You just can't serve two masters. And so he's saying, come near to God. Come and be intimate with God, and God will be intimate with you. Can you imagine? If you've never experienced the Lord in an intimate way, you're missing you're missing everything. I was the president and chairman of the ministerial alliance here in, in this, this area for about eight years. And one year we were planning the Thanksgiving, a community Thanksgiving service. And so uh, all the different pastors of the area was around, we were talking about different things. And so um, to the Presbyterian pastors at that time, I said, would you, uh, Mark, would, would this? you can give the invitation. He looked kind of funny. And he was a younger guy and he looked kind of funny. And I said, uh, do you have a problem with that? He goes, well, I've just never done that. And I was totally blown away. here's a guy that's you know, gone through seminary. He's the, been selected as the Presbyterian pastor. And, and um, in fact, his wife was a pastor of Presbyterian church in another area. You know, they made a career out of this. And I said, what? He says, I've just never done that. I said, you've never given an invitation? he goes now no i go i looked at the baptist pastor at the time i first i told him i said man you're missing the best part of this deal i said that's the only reason i do this is to be able to give an invitation and so i looked at the 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 baptist pastor i said well i know you can handle that he said i'll be glad to you know Um, wow what's this all about what is this this christian life what what are we doing are we just Playing around or we think that it's something that we have to select to do or it's something that is on our calendar that we do once a week, that we think about once a week. God is saying, come near to me. I want to come near to you. Can we take care of just a little bit of housekeeping just for my sake, if you could bring this down or something, because it's right where I am, it's, it's kind of bothering me. So I'm getting a little bit distracted. So it's a little bit of feedback. If, if that'll work for y'all, if it starts raining louder, then we can we can turn it up, make it make it work. But God is saying, I want to be near to you. But for me to do that, I've already I've already taken my steps to you. Now then, you come near to me. Come near to me. Think about the relationships that you have in your life. Think about those that. It, Just think about the feeling that you get maybe with your children or whatever when they come to you and they they tell you how much they love you and and uh, how much you mean to them and you know, maybe when the kids were little, they like crawl into your lap, you know, and just give you a hug and a kiss. You know, doesn't that make you feel good? And, you know, all of a sudden, something changes at that particular time frame. And, yes, that they're in that relationship, there's a nearness. There's a nearness there in that relationship. There's a closeness. There's an intimacy, see, in that, in that relationship. So God is saying, look, come close. I want your feelings. I want to share your feelings. Uh, I, I want to share your desires. I want your desires to be my desires. I want your feelings to be my feelings. I, I want you to feel my feelings. I want to feel your feelings. When, when things are going tough, I, I want to be there for you. I want that closeness. So how do we go about doing that? You know, as I've searched through my own life and looking at the Word of God and examining that, I found some things that I believe that are helpful for us to be able to come near to God to draw near to God, and I just want to share them with you this morning. The very first thing that I believe that we need to do to come near to God or to get closer to God is by purging ourselves, purging ourselves, cleansing ourselves. Um, I had a stomach flu, and I guess, you know, there's part of that that there's a a purging that goes through, and I don't know what it's, all it's doing, but boy, it'll purge and get rid of everything that's in you. <laughs> and if there's anything that's bad there, it gets, you get rid of it. Any of you ever eat anything bad and, and uh, you know, it gets in there and your stomach starts to feel kind of weird and your, so your body just takes over and purges itself and gets rid of all that old stuff so that you can start to feel new. Sometimes we need to get off get, get rid of the old so that the new can come along. Amen. Um, to purge means to cleanse or rid of impurities. To rid of foreign matter, to get rid of undesirable elements, to cleanse of guilt, to cleanse of sin, or ceremonial defilement, we need to purge ourselves. Look at Second Timothy chapter two, and uh, verse nineteen through twenty-one. The Apostle Paul is telling young Timothy some things here about consecrating, about being washed, being and cleansing yourself. And in verse 19, he says, Nevertheless, God's solid foundation stands firm, sealed with this inscription. The Lord knows those who are his, and everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must, here we go, turn from wickedness. That word wickedness is iniquity. Iniquity is a sin, of basically the way that I, I see it is self-willfulness, doing your own thing rather than doing God's thing. It's a sin because you put yourself first rather than, putting God first so he says we need uh, he says uh, everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness iniquity if he calls iniquity wickedness if self-centeredness is wickedness the Bible talks about wickedness is is as the sin of witchcraft can you I mean look how far and that is uh, to God and God can't he can't look on sin God couldn't look on sin when Jesus was on the cross. Jesus said, Father, why have you forsaken me? God had to turn his, way, his face away from sin. He couldn't get close to his son at that particular time because of sin. What do we think is going to happen if we have sin in our life? God's wanting a close relationship with us, but he can't because we are harboring sin. We're walking in sin. When we're walking in our own way, it's repulsive to God. It's like the sin of witchcraft. It's completely foreign. It's against everything that God is. He's not sin, and when we walk in sin and we allow sin in our life, then that repulses God, and and we separate ourselves from God. The wages of sin is death. That means separation, and sin does separate us from God and from his blessings and from that closeness that he wants to have with us. So, people we need to cleanse our sin we need to cleanse ourselves we need to wash ourselves as he's saying there turn away from wickedness turn away from iniquity turn away from self-centeredness and if you think about it most of the things the the habits that we would say that we would put into a category of sin most of those really people do because they're thinking of themselves for instance say, man i had a hard week this i guess i'll just go out and get drunk you know or i'll do this or i'll do that or whatever or, or nobody cares about me so you know what i think i'll start a new relationship i think i'll just you know uh, she looks pretty good i think maybe her, her and i we got something going because nobody cares about me and see when we're thinking about me what are we doing then we start to fall into what we think the acts of sin but what causes it iniquity self-willfulness self-centeredness thinking about ourselves, what we deserve, what we don't have, what we need, what we ought to do, what somebody ought to do for us or what I can do for myself. And all of those things push us to then those actions, those deeds that we would categorize as sin. So what do we need to do to come, to draw close to God? We need to purge ourselves. We need to look, and as David did, search me, oh God, and know my ways. Well, you know what? There's a lot of things in our, our life. You ain't fooling God. You might say, oh, I didn't know that was happening. Yeah, right. Well, they say, you know, if you get stopped by a policeman and you're going over the speed limit, if you say, oh, I didn't know I was doing that, does he let you go? Not usually. They say ignorance is no excuse for the law, right? It's because you didn't know what you're supposed to know. You have the responsibility of finding out. So you obey that. You know, so do you think you stand before God and say, oh, I didn't know that that was sin. Oh, yeah? Yes, you do. We know, don't we? We know, right? Y'all are being careful about agreeing with me or not. You know? <laughs> if, if I do this, am I going to be in trouble? <laughs> you, know? you know, we know there's something within us. If Christ is in your heart, that new creation, there's this enmity that's going on between us and God. And that, that new creation knows when that old creation, that old nature is flaring up. We know when we're walking in sin. We try to hide it. We might try not to, to or we might try to justify it, right? We'll do everything we can to talk ourselves out of conviction, So we can continue that and say, well, it isn't so bad or it's surely not as bad as somebody else. So then we're going to compare ourselves to somebody else. Because as long as someone else is worse than we are, then we're not so bad. You think that's going to get you into heaven any quicker? Or you think that's going to get you a position (laughs) for eternity any better? Just because you're a little bit better than this person here? We don't compare ourselves to anybody else. We're to compare ourselves with Christ. How are you doing with that? We've got to compare ourselves with him. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. Purging ourselves. So he says that uh, Anyone who, everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness or iniquity. Verse 20, in a large house there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for noble purposes and some for ignoble. If a man cleanses himself from the latter... He will be an instrument for noble purposes. So God can use him. If we cleanse ourselves from those latter things, he says, he'll be an instrument for noble purposes. Look at this. Made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. Isn't that what we should desire, what we should strive for? Is to be prepared for any good work? So that we're in a position that if God needs to call like, Gabe was saying, like a backup quarterback, you know? If something happens in the scheme of things and Satan knocks somebody out and God needs somebody to step up and take their place, are you prepared for any good work? I, I remember saying, there was a time in my life, Lord, I didn't think I was called to do this. You know, I think I'm supposed to be doing such and such, not doing this. And he said, You're gonna do what I tell you to do if you wanna be used by me. You wanna be used by me, or do you wanna just do what you wanna do? How does that work? Oh, doesn't that put us back over into that iniquity category? If I'm just doing what I want to do? Let me tell you, there's a lot of things that serving the Lord is not necessarily what I want to do. But when I find myself in that position, I enjoy doing it. You know, it's like, Oh, I don't know. We used to do a, a Christmas outreach and some things, and there'd be days like this, raining and everything. I'm thinking, oh man, I don't know about this, and maybe we were going to ride the Harleys and help out or whatever, and just be raining. I'm thinking, oh, what a miserable day to go out and it's cold and wet and and you know all this, and, and just begin to imagine all of the worst conditions. But okay, Lord, we're going to do it for you and go out and pray together and go out and do it, and you know somebody to come to that door and that single mom is there and you begin to hand her and her kids some gifts and tears come to her eyes and maybe we don't speak the same language but you know what's going on and she says you know what my children wouldn't have had Christmas if you guys hadn't come to the door then you say you know what this rain isn't so bad this cold isn't so bad I enjoy doing this but see I didn't think I was going to enjoy doing it I didn't think maybe that's what I was supposed to do but when you go ahead and do it it's amazing how God can bless you and you do enjoy doing it? It's like the drama that they're talking about. Sometimes they, oh man, I don't know. I've got to come to practices. I got to do this or I've got to do that or I'll, you know, I'll help with building this or building that. I don't know. That's a big commitment. Yeah, but when you see people with tears running down their eyes and giving their hearts to, to Christ and making a decision for eternity, the few months that you invest in doing that, is more than worth it that's when you say man I'm so glad that I did what I did I'm so glad that I paid the price that I paid that I gave up a few little things that I gave up a little nap on Sunday afternoon at four o'clock so I could be here to enjoy those crazy idiots that are in that drama those guys are crazy they're so crazy they're funny it's a hoot boy I tell you what it's worth coming if you're not going to be in it you ought to just come watch the practices when they turn those lights out and they start moving those big props around and then you turn the lights back on and some of them are underneath the props or falling off of them or holding on for dear life that's a lot of fun (laughs) it's a lot of fun but you know we need to cleanse ourselves so that we can be fit for any use It says, made holy useful to the master and prepared for any good work that's why, if nothing else, that's why we ought to draw closer to God so we can be prepared for any good work, anything that He would call us to do. You know, our calling and our destiny and our assignment has been given to us before the foundation of the world, but there's sometimes that God calls us to do a little extra, to step up and do some things maybe outside of what really we're called to do, but he's given us that calling right then. You know, he can override those things. You know, there's a church in the book of Revelation. He says, hold fast to what you have. Let no man take your crown. I used to think about that. Wait a minute, take my crown? How can somebody take my crown? You see, a crown is it's not your salvation. A crown is given as a reward for your service for the Lord, for serving him, for being obedient. He gives you a crown for that. So when you do something, and Paul talks about uh, the racer, the, the runner who runs and runs a race and at the end of that he's given a crown so how can somebody take your crown if they run your race see if you sit back and you refuse to run your race and God says well you know I had somebody I called somebody before the foundation where I prepared them, I put it in them I designed them to run this race but they're not going to run this race hey could you step up and run this race well Lord is, is that really my race to run I'm already running this one he said well you know what you don't have to but I sure need you to. And we begin to do that. You know what happens? You get that person's crown. You know what's cool about that? There's going to be a time when we stand before the throne and Jesus Christ is there, the lamb on the throne. And we get a chance to come and kneel before him and sing those songs that we see that the 24 elders and the four living creatures are singing, worthy is the lamb that was slain. And it says, and they take the crowns and they present them at his feet and say, worthy is the lamb. Wow. See if you don't have a crown you can't get into that because those that are the only ones that get to do that are the ones that have crowns that can come and take them off and present them to him and say worthy is the lamb. The only other group we see are those that are out on this sea of glass. They had robes that were had been spotted that they had had to wash because they they had soiled their robes and they'd been Participating in their own thing and they're standing far off and their song is Salvation Belongs to Our God the only song that they could sing was Salvation well thank thank the Lord for salvation that, that we're going to live together with Him but you know what there's another group of people that's seen that are able to approach the throne it says that they're seated with Him in His throne and around His throne and that's the group of people that, take, that have the crowns that take off and say worthy is the Lamb not just salvation Lord, I praise you, not just because I'm saved, but because of who you are, that you're worthy, that this life that I lived, that this race that I ran, it wasn't because of what I wanted to do or what I didn't want to do. It was because that's what you wanted me to do. You know what? It's so amazing? When you love somebody, isn't it amazing how you don't really care about what you want to do anymore? You just want to please them. Isn't that amazing? It's not a drudgery. It's not a labor. It's not hard. When you love someone, you want to please them. You want to give yourself. And when you when they when you see that expression of appreciation on their face, it's worth it all, isn't it? I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You see, that's what he's calling us. He said, "Look, I want somebody that loves me. You come near to me, and I'll come near to you. Let's have this close relationship." And Paul says that. That we need to do this and he says if any man cleanses himself from the latter he will be an instrument of noble purposes made holy useful to the master and prepared to do any good work because you're not worried about what you want to do or you don't get to do or whether or not you should do it or you shouldn't do it or somebody else ought to do that or nobody else cares and nobody cares whether i'm doing it or i'm not doing it see none of that's a factor anymore it's just you and jesus Here I am, Lord. I'm cleansing myself from all those things, from myself, from iniquity. Lord, I'm here to serve you. Do you do things because you love him? Or do you do things just for the approval of man? Well, it's nice to have approval of others, but people, that shouldn't be the reason we do it. And so... We do that. We cleanse ourselves. And one of the ways that we do it, of course, like I said, is coming before him and putting off those things, recognizing, asking the Holy Spirit to search us and to reveal those areas in our life. And the, but the main way is to be cleansed through his word, reading his word. Why do you think we need to read his word? We need to read his word because the word, it brings this enlightenment to us. And we see those areas in our life where we need to change. You know the old the laver that was in the tabernacle in the old in the wilderness. There, they made this big round laver. It was uh, it held water. They made it from the hand mirrors that the women had. That they were made of brass, which is a type of judgment. It speaks of judgment. They would polish that brass so, so high, highly polished, that it was became a mirror and it gave you a reflection. And they put all those together in this laver and they filled it with water. And that was a type of the word of God. That when they would look into that laver, they could see where they needed to wash. They needed to cleanse themselves before going into the presence of God. The word of God, it says he washes by the washing of the word of. of of god it cleanses us from these things we need to look into the word and when you look into the word you get a reflection it tells you it reveals to you where you need to cleanse a little bit where i need to put those things off in psalm 119 the the psalmist tells us in verse 9 he says "Uh, how can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word verse 10 i seek You with all my heart, do not let me stray from your commands. He says, you know what? How can I keep my way pure? How can I purge myself? How can I keep my way pure? By living according to your word. We need to read the word so that we find out his principles, who he is, his character, his nature, his desires. And when we read his word, we know then uh, who he is and what we need to do. Then he says, I seek you with all my heart. Now, just a little bit not double-mindedness like James was talking about. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands, was his prayer. Lord, help me to walk in accordance with your word. Let me live in accordance with your word. By the word, we're kept from evil and the power of the evil one. The psalmist went on to say in Psalm 17, verse 4, he says, by the words of thy lips, I have kept kept me from the paths of, of the destroyer. And thy word have I hid in my heart, he says in Psalm 119, 11, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. So we put his word in and that keeps us from sinning against him because we know what we need to do. We see a reflection of ourselves and we see him in his word and we become more like him. Like Gabe was saying a while ago, aren't we all like Christ? We ought to be like him, you know? That's what we all ought to be. We shouldn't just, you know, in our life, say well you know I think I'll try to live up to old Peter's standard you know we get a lot of things about the Apostle Peter that you know we can learn from he wasn't there yet but when we look to Jesus that's who we're to be like looking to him he's the one that we should be like so if you want to come near to God purify yourselves be pure the second way of being able to draw closer to God is by praying to him The 145th Psalm, verse 18, the psalmist says, the Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who call on him in truth. So he tells us, you want to come near to God? Call on him, pray, get in prayer, get in communication with him, talk to him. You know, that's how you feel a little close. If you haven't talked to somebody for a while, you know, you kind of, well, what's going on? What's, What's been happening? You know, I, don't, I don't know what's been going on in your life. But you know, as you've been talking to them and relating different things and they kind of find out what you're going through and what, what they're going through, you begin to get close to them, right? And you have that closer relationship. That's what we need with the Lord. Prayer is that communion, that, that communicating with God. So he said, the psalmist says there, 145.18, the Lord is near to all who call upon him. You want to get close to God? Call upon him. Pray. How's your prayer life? How are you doing on that? Every morning, when you get up, you ought to say, good morning, Lord, not good Lord, it's morning. <laughs> you know, you ought to be thrilled to be able to get up and say, Lord, you know, I want to start this day off talking to you. Talk to him. You know, tell him all about your, your problems, like that old song said. You know, have a little talk with Jesus. Let us tell him all about our troubles, you know, and just begin to talk to him and then listen. You don't always, you know, communication is a two-way street. <laughs> you know, you got to listen You got two ears and one mouth. You should listen twice as much as you're talking. And that works in prayer as well. Zechariah chapter 1, verse 3. He says, therefore, tell the people, this is what the Lord Almighty says. Return to me, declares the Lord Almighty, and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. How many times did he refer to himself as the Lord Almighty? If you want to see the Lord Almighty working in your life, get closer to him, return to him. And one of the ways to do that is through prayer, by purging ourselves, by praying to him. You know, one of the things that we don't want to hear the Lord say is what he said to his disciples that night in the garden. Do you remember that, that conversation in Matthew 26 when he was praying and he went to pray and and he was asking God to take that cup from him and and uh So he was troubled in in his soul and he came back to his disciples who he'd asked them to come and pray with him. And he says, could you not tarry with me one hour? Could you just pray with me for just one hour? I I need you to be close to me. Here's Jesus crying out for this closeness. He said, I need somebody during this time in my life. Could you not tarry, could you not pray and, and tarry, stay with me, stay close with me, draw close with me just for one hour? You know, and so he goes back a second time and he prays and he comes out, finds them sleeping again. And he says there in Matthew 26, verse, verse 42, he tells him, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Verse 42, he went away again the second time and prayed saying, oh, father, if this cup may not pass from, away from me, except I drink it, thy will be done. Verse 43, and he came and found them asleep again for their eyes were heavy. You know, I, I, I woke up the other morning, and I was praying. I, I, I kind of had this little dream before I woke up, and it was just this scene in the garden, but it was almost like, it wasn't back then, but it was like the Lord coming to his church today. And he's coming, and he says, are you asleep? Are you still sleeping? Watch and pray with me. You know, it's... Carry with me, stay with me, pray, communicate with me right now. And, you know, the Lord, I'm sure, as he's watching this, he's ready. He's ready for the Father to tell him to to go get my children. And he's looking down and he's seeing, oh, here's his disciples. And and we're asleep. We're asleep. And it says he came a second time and they were still sleeping. And he found them sleeping again. And and he says, um, in verse 43, for their eyes were heavy. And he left them and went away again and prayed a third time, saying the same words. Then, verse 45, Then he he cometh to his disciples and said unto them, Sleep on. Sleep on. One translation says, and in the Greek it says, Just go ahead and sleep then. It's too late. Now I want to tell you something. I was supposed to speak Friday night, but I was throwing up, and I was going to speak a, a message on wake up. Maybe I might preach that. I was thinking about this I do not want to hear the Lord come to us and say just go ahead and sleep it's too late sleep on there's going to be some people that are watching and waiting with the Lord watching for his coming you know he's going to come as that bridegroom and he's going to it says for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout With the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first to meet him in the air. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with him in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord? You know, that's you got to be watching because He's not that's not the second coming. That's when He comes for His bridegroom and He says, Come on, come on, I'm taking you out of this thing because it's gonna get really bad. It's gonna get really bad. They're coming and it's gonna get really bad. Well, Jesus, was he knew that night that they were coming to get him. It was going to get really bad. He told him, he says, watch and pray that you fall not into temptation. You need to be alert. You need to be in prayer because it's going to get bad. And he comes to him that third time. He says, you know what? Just go ahead and sleep then because it's too late. They're already coming. You know, when we read on the, when we read the Bible, is so linear. It's not dimensional. It's just so linear. And we say, you know, sleep on for my captor comes and we don't think anything about it but I'm going to tell you something when you blow that thing up and you look at it in the perspective Jesus he came out of there and he says just you know what just go ahead and sleep sleep on because it's too late you missed it it's too late because they're already coming let me tell you something people don't be sleeping you do not want to hear the Lord come say you know what just go ahead and sleep you couldn't you couldn't pray you couldn't watch with me for just even one hour? You couldn't draw close to me, you couldn't walk with me to hear my voice, to be ready when I came? Then you know what, just sleep on. First Thessalonians says those who sleep, sleep into the night, into the night season. People are gonna wake up about halfway through the tribulation time and say, you know what, what happened? We missed it. Oh yeah. Now's not the time to be sleeping, now's the time to be watching. Now's the time to be drawing close to God. John Bunyan made a statement. I keep it in my Bible looking at it. He says, he who runs from God in the morning will scarcely find him the rest of the day. So a lot of times I don't do anything else. The very first thing I do is I start praying because I know that my mind, I just know how I am, you know? I know I'll get distracted. I'll be thinking I need to do this. I need to do that and all that stuff. So I said, you know what? The first thing I got to do, I got to spend some time in prayer with the Lord. And... Try to do that because i like, you know, throughout the day, it's hard to find time to do that any other time. You might think about that. How do you draw close to God? Well, by purging yourself, by praying to him. Number three, by praising him. Praising him. I have found that as I begin to praise the Lord, praise is the language of faith. And when I begin to praise him for who he is, I believe it. And I, I begin to believe that that's who he is I mean, it really is who he is but until I begin to praise him and I verbalize that praise and say Lord I thank you that you are the king of kings you are the mighty God you're my provider you're my healer you're the shepherd that leads me through that valley of the shadow of death you never leave me you never forsake me you are my ever present help in my time of need you know what pretty soon I start to get an attitude like yeah that's who he is You know what? And we're walking together and ain't no devil gonna stop me from this. You're gonna draw closer to God when you praise him. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19, the New International Version says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain or the veil that was his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, he says, you know what, we've got access. Since we have access to the throne, since Jesus did away with that old curtain and now the veil was, was his flesh that was, that was uh, you know, beaten for us and he opened the way now that we have access to the Holy of Holies. Since we have access to the Holy of Holies, he says, uh, verse 22, let us draw nearer to God with a sincere heart and with a full assurance of faith that brings, or assurance that brings That faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for we, for He who promised is faithful. He says, since we have access, let us draw near and do this. And then it's, it's like he he says, you know, since we've purged ourselves, since we've cleansed ourselves, since we've with faith now we come to see Him. Let us draw near to Him. And let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. Come on. Believe it. Expect it. Hold on to that that hope that we profess. For he who promised is faithful. Jesus is the one that's faithful. And when you get to that point, that's a pretty close place with God. Because you don't doubt. You just know, hey, he's with me. He's right here with me. He's going to deliver me. He's going to set me free. He's going to uphold me. He's going to strengthen me through these times. praising him that's how you draw close to him and this the the fourth way is by posturing our soul we we purge ourselves we we get close to him by praising him by by praying to him by praising him and by posturing our soul in worship now I said posturing our soul because it kind of lines up with all the little p's that I'm doing on that on my message to help me remember it but yet it really is true because sometimes I think we worship and we don't know what we're worshiping because we think 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings is worship. We think the piano playing just right is worship. We think getting the praise team to do such a, that's worship. Oh, man, what a worship time we had because the pra- the band was really kicking it. You know, or, or this or that or whatever, and we think that's worship. But wait a minute, no, you know what worship is? It's when I get my soul, my mind, my will, and my emotions into a position of love to Him and say, you know what, Lord, worship is coming to Him and adoring Him, pouring myself out to Him, and people, that's not a a once-a-week thing, that's not a a once-a-year thing, that's an everyday thing. It really ought to be a 24-hour thing, but we can't function. I, I can't function like that, I mean, because I'm so wrapped up in Him. And that's why what Paul was talking about there also, and I just read there in Hebrews, about that we ought to draw near to him with a sincere heart and with a full assurance of faith that faith brings with a sincere heart. Let's posture ourselves with a sincere heart. Worship is so much deeper than just even human emotions or surrendering our will to him. We do those things through worship. You know, music is not, sometimes we worship music. But music is not worship, but yet we music is a form of worship. And surrendering my will is, I find that in worship, but that alone is not worship. All of these things together, it's whenever I come with this surrendered heart of love to just adore him and just to be in his presence, to lift him up. It's an expression of a devoted heart. That's what worship is. It's a divine embrace of where I just want to just hug him and just say, you know what, I'm not here to ask you for anything. This is, I'm not praying. I don't have a petition here. I'm not, I didn't come to ask you for anything. I just want to be here. See, praise, the Bible says he inhabits the praise of his people, or he is enthroned on the praises of Israel. That's is how it says. He builds his throne. Praise creates an atmosphere that God is pleased to dwell in. Because when he hears his people praising him, he says, oh, wow, uh-huh. that's a party going on. I want to be a part of that. Jesus said, when any two agree is touching any one thing, I'm in the midst. So he wants to come. So praise creates this atmosphere where he builds his throne and where he comes and he inhabits our praise. But worship is what you do when he gets there. I want to tell you something. I've gone through some praise services and that's just, you know, we just praised him. He was kind of like, okay, well, that was kind of fun. And thanks, Jesus, for showing up. We'll, we'll, We'll carry on now. We'll finish this out now. And he's kind of like just, you know, okay, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man open to me, I'll come in and and sup with him or have fellowship with him. You know, a lot of times Jesus comes in, oh, we're praising him and he shows up. And then we just kind of forget about it because we don't take that next step in worship. That divine embrace, that heart of devotion of love to him that says, Lord, I just love you. Just take all of me. And see, that's when that surrendered will comes in. That's when all those things where we open up to him, all those other things are part of it. Jesus, in uh, John chapter 4, verse 22, he went to the Samaritan woman, and he's talking to her, and, and she just, she's pretty blown away. And, and in the conversation at the end, uh, she, she asked him a question. She said, well, you know, we worship like this, and, and you Jews, you worship like that. And, and so, well, which is right, he, and he looks at her and he says, you don't even know what you worship." You don't even know what you worship and I thought you know what wow how true that is today we don't even know what we worship the the church as a whole we think that maybe we have this little picture in our mind that's been created that if church goes a certain way then we had worship or if this happened or that happened wow we that we were worshiping and Jesus is saying if I can Say it with his southern accent, y'all don't even know what you're worshiping." John 4:22, he says, "You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know. For salvation is from the Jews, yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for they are the kind of worshipers that the Father seeks, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship him in spirit and in truth. You see, we draw close to God in worship, true worship, in spirit and in truth, in true manifested presence, of, in his presence being truly manifested. And you know what? God, the Father, is seeking that type of worshiper. Th- doesn't that tell you that you're going to get close to him? If that's the kind of worshiper that he's seeking, he's seeking that type, the true worshiper, the worshiper that comes with that, type of attitude well of course you're going to draw closer to him because that's our step we've come close to him we come near to him in our worship and he says I'm going to come close to you so how do you draw close to him not only through purging not only through prayer not only through praise but through posturing ourselves in in true worship before God with a heart of love that is seeking him worship more than music it's more than a Sunday morning service it's a life of devotion that's lived to him. Paul writes to the Romans in Romans chapter 12. He says, I beseech you therefore brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. I'm gonna tell him about worship. You're, you know, worship's involved in the sacrifice. He said, no, I beseech you to present your bodies, a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, This is your reasonable form of worship. This is what, this ought to just, this ought to be common, a common form of worship. It's not unreasonable. Present yourselves as a living sacrifice. I remember when I was younger and God was dealing with my life, and I, I'd say <laughs> one night, I was at the altar, boy, and I was just pouring my heart out to God. And, Lord, I'd die for you, I, or something in that thing. I just remember saying, you know, I would die for you. And It's like, Lord, so I don't need you to die for me. I need you to live for me. I <laughs> oh, <So>, what? <laughs> what? It's like, No. He doesn't need it it's easy. Sometimes that's the easier thing is to die for him. He said, what's hard is I need you to live for me every day. That your life is a life of worship devoted to me, living as worship unto me. Worship me. And that's what, you know what? I'm going to be right there beside you. You want to draw close to God? Worship him. Live a life of devotion to him every day. Two more things. Let's see if we can get to them real quick. If not, we'll just stop. But how you draw closer to God? See, sometimes we get into that. But then I found that I need to prove his promises. Because sometimes, you know, we'll, we'll get into this thing and we'll get real spiritual and we'll get real devoted. And we're praising God and we're praying and, and we're worshiping. And, and then it comes time to prove his promises where he says, you know, in the Old Testament, he said, talking about tithing, he says, try me in this and see if I'll not open the floodgates of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you can't contain. Try me in this. You prove me in this. Jesus said, he says, give, and it shall be given. Press down, shaken together like they do at the popcorn. That's what I tell them to do at the theater. I said, I'm a pastor. I believe in being pressed down, shaken together, and run it over. <laughs> he says... Will I cause men to give into your bosom, into your lap? Do you prove that? No, now, wait a minute, now, wait a minute. Watch out, pastor. Now, I, you, purging was, that's pretty strong stuff. Praying, you kind of nicked me on that one, praising him. I can get into, I can get into some good praise and worship. Now, you're now you talking about, now, you, now watch out. You going to meddling now. Do you prove his promises? Try me in this see if i won't do this i love you i'm your provider let me prove it to you you want to get close to god give him everything is he your healer trust him is he your provider trust him prove it let me tell you something i guess i got enough stubbornness in me that from the very outset And I just remember different times in my life. I remember when God was calling us into full-time ministry. And I had a really good job. Sandy and I, she worked for the engineering department of Southwestern Bell. She made real good money. I was working as a control tower operator for Rock Island Railroad. I was making more money than I knew what to do with. We left those things and went into ministry. And I remember saying, okay, God, if you're in this thing, then do it. And I thought, might as well try it now if he ain't, I might still have enough time to do something else. (laughs) You know, if you're in this, then you do it. God called us to Alvin, Texas, four young kids. No promise of really anything of support. And I said, then, Lord, if you're in this, then I know you'll prove it. Prove his promises. I want to tell you something. You get real close to God in times like that. How I many you know what I'm talking about? When you hold on to a promise and you say, God, you gave me this promise, now I know you're gonna fulfill it. And boy, when it looks like it's not gonna happen, when it gets darker before it gets lighter, and you're holding on to that promise, that's when you feel like, man, that you're right there next to God's right next to you and say, Come on now, hold on, don't worry about it. I'm your ever present help in your time of need. Come on, you can make it through this thing. And then when that promise comes true, oh, man, you talk about some rejoicing. Now you talk about some praise. You want to get close to God? Prove his promises. If he tells you to do it, if his word says to do it, then put it out there then do it. And see what the promise that he says that's going to come because of that. Let it come into your life. We're living way below our privileges as believers because we're not proving the promises of God. I'm not talking about having an ornery streak. I'm just saying trust God. If he said it, believe it. And if you believe it, then do it. If you really believe it, then you're going to do it. Why is it sometimes we think when when everything's going easy, then, then we'll try God. We'll let him prove it. Because if he, see, if he doesn't come through, I got all this over here, <laughs> right? Come on, isn't that right? See, so it's easy to trust God whenever... We got everything going over here. We got, but boy, when it looks like we ain't got nothing, when things are really tough, that's when it's hard to give it the first fruits of our income. That's when it's hard to write that check or click that button to give or whatever it is. Right? Come on now. Getting real quiet in this Presbyterian church this morning. <sighs> I think I hear I think I smell hide burning, but it might be might be some of mine. I don't know. But prove his promises. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 4. Through these he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. You want to escape what's happening in the world and all the, the, the principles of the world, then follow the principles of God. They say, oh, well, I don't know, you know, we've got to be careful because I don't know what the stock market's going to do. Well, we've got a new president, so we don't know what's going to happen here there. You know what, is that what you're trusting? Prove God's promises. His promise, those are the very pr- uh, precious promises He says, through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Yeah, all those things are going to happen in the world, but we're not under that authority. We're under, hey, my home is in heaven, amen? I'm a citizenship, uh, my citizenship is in heaven. I'm trusting in the economy of heaven, not in the economy here. God longs to see me do what he says he will do I'll just end on that God longs to see you do what his word says you can do prove his promises he longs to see you do what he says you can do he says that, that you're more than a conqueror then prove do it he longs to see you do that I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength then trust in his strength and do it Jesus said, greater things than these shall ye do, then do greater things. He loves and he longs to see you do those greater things. He's made a way for us to do it. He wants us to draw close to him. The last thing I'll give it to you, and it'll it'll preach itself, is to be, we get closer to him by participating in his work. Just being a part of the body. Being a part of the body. A supporting ligament. And you know what? You get fellowship one with another. And when I'm with Tim and rubbing shoulders with Tim, I see Jesus in Tim and that I, I don't see in Gabe. And I see Jesus in Gabe that I don't see in Tim. And, and I'm seeing Jesus everywhere. And now I'm getting closer to him because I see how much God loves Tim. And and man, and and Tim sees how much God loves me. And we're drawing closer because we got fellowship because of what God's doing in us. And so when we participate together and we have fellowship together and we're working together of what God's given us to do, then you know what? I'm getting closer to God because I'm getting closer to you. When his body grows closer together, you're walking closer to the Lord. You don't believe me? And just stay home for about four months and see how close to God you feel. I remember a time in my life when I got mad in church because of some, what somebody said to me. So I told Sandy, I can just sit at home, I can play Christian music, I got there's all kinds of preachers, I can just have my own church. Forget that church. They're just a bunch of hypocrites. And so I did that. And guess how close I felt to God in about two hours. <laughs> Alone two days, two weeks. I felt miserable. You know why? Because it was me. I removed myself from participating in the body. You know what? Iron sharpens iron. Maybe I needed to hear what that guy had to say. Or maybe I needed to forgive him. He told me I smiled too much. <laughs> and I thought, well, I'm happy. I, I'm sorry. I thought, how does smiling, how's that bad? I was okay that day. By this time, I was working In construction, and I went the next day, and we were building houses. And I remember I was driving some eight-penny nails, galvanized nails, and some T111 siding with a 20-ounce true temper rocket hammer. I smiled too much. Hmm. Smile too much. Smile too much. Well, when I got home, that's when I told, "We're leaving that church." I'm blah 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 blah, and I didn't feel close to God. I moved. You want to feel close to him? Participate in the body. Get connected. Come out to the adult Christmas party. Get involved in the drama by doing something. Say, I'll I'll sweep up the floor after y'all are done or something. I'll fix sandwiches. Get involved in something. Go on outreach. Maybe you say, well, I'm not called to, you might not be called to lead it, but just go participate. Go participate and find out Who's among you? Just find out about this body and get to know one another. And when you get to know one another, you say, you know what? That's pretty cool. That's a lot of fun. There's so much fun. And you know what? You're going to feel closer to God. Your relationship with the Lord is going to take off. You know why? Because he's in every one of us. A little bit of Jesus, every one of us. And when you get it together, you begin to feel it. Come on, we've got to pray and get you out of here. Thank you, Jesus. About to preach myself winded I might need some Gatorade I saw this little cartoon once sitting in church and preacher got up to preach and there's this big old five gallon thing of Gatorade sitting over there and a visitor had come with one of the guys and he said what's that Gatorade for and he said man you better get ready preacher pastor got a good one today (laughs) come on stand with me this morning Father we love you we hear your voice today speaking to us to draw closer to you it's your desire you want to be closer to us you've done everything you can do you've brought us near by the blood of jesus you've done everything you could do now it's up to us lord i just pray that as we're here in this place as we allow your word to just work through our spirit and our soul, help us to see areas in our life where we need to purge ourselves, we need to cleanse ourselves, we need to get rid of some stuff that's holding you off, that's separating us from you. We need to do that. That's you right now. Just tell the Lord, just, just deal with it right now. Deal with it right now. Lord, we need to check our prayer life. We need to check our communication with you. Maybe we're failing to praise you when we need to praise you. And then we're wondering where you are. You inhabit the praise of your people. You show up when you're praised. Lord, let us live a life of worship 24-7. Not just think that an activity is worship, but truly worshiping you with a life of devotion unto you Lord let us prove your promises and when that happens we know you're real we know you're alive that's what testimonies are all about when people testify about how you showed up and how you worked that we prove your promises and that we do what your word says and we follow your principles and Lord that we become a an active part of your body, participating with one another, discovering you and all of your unique character and your and ability through those that you have placed us in community with through your, your body. Lord, it's not about playing church. It's about being the church. And Lord, it's about drawing close to you. Help us to take this word to heart today and draw closer to you. If you're here this morning, maybe you're not sure about your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe you're not sure that you're a child of God. Maybe you're not even sure that you're gonna spend eternity in heaven. If you're not sure of that today, you need to be. Don't walk out these doors. The first step in drawing close to God is by receiving his son, Jesus. God in his love gave his best to us in the form of Jesus who paid that price for us. We owed a debt that we couldn't pay, and he paid that debt, and he didn't owe it. If you're not sure today that you're going to spend eternity in heaven, if there's question marks there, just raise your hand right where you are. Let me just pray with you right where you are. If you're not certain today, amen. Anybody else this morning? If you're not certain this morning that you're a child of God, that you're not going to spend eternity in heaven, don't walk out of this place not sure. I don't care how long you've been in church or out of church or whatever, you got to know that you're a child of God. Now, if you feel away from God, maybe you just say you want to come home. Nobody's looking around. Why don't you just raise your hand to God and say, Father, today I just want a closer walk with you. I'm going to put these things into practice in my life today, and I'm purposing that my life's going to be closer to you in the next few hours and days and months ahead than what it's been that I'm I'm purposing to to have a closer walk with you. Amen, amen. Father, you see these hands. You know our desires. We love you today. Thank you for all of your goodness and your blessing. Father, as we walk out these doors, we're heading into the field of labor today. We're expecting divine opportunities to open up for us, that we can be light that dispels darkness. Lord, we ask that you would just direct our steps and our path right now in Jesus' name. And everybody said Amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming today. We'll see you Wednesday night.